and welcome to Subculture, a podcast exploring subcultures from around the world. I'm your TV guide, Jake Brennan, and I'm joined today by Benjamin Hymans. Hello. And special guest today from Sitcans, Ellie and Ollie. Hello. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. So as you can guess, we are doing a very special episode where we're doing a cross feature with the lovely people from Sitcans. Emmy and Ollie, tell us a little bit more about Sitcans. Well, Sitcans originated when co-host Eddie and I were sat on his bed once in a perfectly friendly way. No, no, it wasn't <laughs> anything going on there. And the subject came up that he is a huge fan of Friends, the TV show. I absolutely hate Friends. And <gasps> would, wouldn't it be fun to just have a chat about that one day and have a podcast? I coined the phrase shit canned if someone particularly hates something and he said well sit canned like sitcoms uh, originally it was just the two of us but then i met the most gorgeous person in the world and then i met um, emmy as well so um, <laughs> classic bait and switch yes. our cat is just fucked off when you said that i think you've offended he, he him did. so yeah, <laughs> wasn't impressed and yeah so far we were on Friends, we go through every episode, mostly sort of line by line, sort of deconstructs it. We do say a show where we talk about podcasts, except where we don't, because it goes sitcoms. all over the... Sorry, we talk about sitcoms, <laughs> see? Tangent right there. It goes all over the place and somehow we're able to bring it back together to talk about Friends. Sometimes. Nice, nice. And that's something I'm looking forward to guest starring on yours on at some point. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're If our timing is correct... You listeners, you can go over now and hear my lovely voice if you haven't had enough of it here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a pleasure to have you guys, your first guest. Uh, thank you muchly, and let's get down with the show. So at the start of an episode, I always like to ask the gang uh, a question. And given the topic of what we're going to be going through, which I'll go through later, what would you guys say would be the best or your personal best crossover sitcom? Ooh. Or any TV show, for that matter. It doesn't have to be a sitcom. I would really like, actually, to see what would happen, because this is a comparison that comes up an awful lot on Sitcom. If you've got the cast of Friends and the cast of Always Sunny in Philadelphia... (gasps) Oh, I'd watch that. Because I imagine it would end badly for the cast of Friends. (laughs) And I would get a big kick out of that, I think. Would you put them all together, or would you sort of transplant one or two people into the other cast, like a, a Charlie replacing Joey for a day? Oh, I think it would literally be as sort of cliched as it is, that the friends go to Philadelphia, or the gang go to New York. So just like a crossover episode? Yeah, they do a B&B swap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think for me, these aren't sitcoms, but the two that have just come to mind... Grey's Anatomy and The Bachelor. I don't know how it would work. (laughs) That's good. The person you give the rose to is getting the surgery. Yes. I was going to say, it probably ends in death as well. So (laughs) That definitely puts The Bachelor on a very dark turn. It really does, doesn't it? (laughs) I think I want to go for something a bit wilder here. I'm thinking Morph from Art Attack in anything he shouldn't be in. Like (laughs) A Walking Dead. Oh my god. More from Art Attack in Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. Anyway, moving forward. Now, ask these things because if you haven't already guessed by the name of the title of the episode, we'll be looking into the subculture of Super Who Lock. What is Super Who Lock, I hear you say? 
What is Super Hulok? <laughs> yes, someone finally does it. <laughs> God, it's like blood from a stone getting the rest of them to do it. We try not to encourage him. <laughs> I'm sorry, I take it back. <laughs> no, too late it's said now. Jacob, you better keep that in and editing. I swear to God. So Super Who Lock is a fandom, but it's not just any fandom. It's technically classed as a mega fandom. And it's not even just a mega fandom. It's a fandom that has developed its own bizarre subculture and has become a pillar of what all fandoms are. So if you can't even guess from the fandom name, Super Who Lock derives from this kind of fan base, alternate universe, headcanon, roleplay creation of Doctor Who. Uh, a show about a tall, lanky man or woman running through space, solving space crime. Supernatural, two beef boy brothers <laughs> running through America, solving supernatural crime. And Sherlock, a tall, spiky man running through London, solving actual crime. That have somehow kind of merged together, much like the crossover ideas, into this lovely little baby. Because I think they all fall into this category of good-looking hunks running after shit. <laughs> I mean, it's a winning formula. It is. Doctor, running after aliens. Sherlock, running after whatever John's done. <laughs> but it's amazing, because it's not just about the fact that it's these three shows and people like these three shows. It's the fact that certain actors cross over to different shows and certain directors also direct certain episodes on different shows. So there are so many little teases and bits and bobs. But more importantly than all of that is the fact that the community, the internet community that we all know and love and are all part of, developed this really weird point in time where the fan base got so crazy and so wild and it turned so horribly bad. And I'm not just talking about just bad, I mean like toxic bad. But we'll be getting into that later on because my days, it's going to be an adventure. So I hope you brought your wine like I have. I actually mm. have, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Be for me. Good. Good. Right, how about I just nose divers into the history of this thing? Any questions about how or why or what on earth's going on, just feel free to interject because we've done a few subcultures before. We've done history. This is going to be a big old history lesson. And my days, this is going to be a nightmare of a history lesson. So Yeah, I'm not sure what to expect because I was quite big in the supernatural fandom back in the day. And that on its own was crazy enough. <laughs> So <laughs> with it combined with these two, I'm really not sure what to expect. Let's start off with the first big modern time fandom. And as you guessed it, Star Trek. Uh, can't think of the Star Trek theme. So when Star Trek hit the theme, that was massive. That hit a fan base of nerd and sci-fi lovers, the people of the space race, and it blew up. It was great. It was brilliant. But what really developed the fandom and the real founding fathers of the fan base, you'd imagine it'd be a bunch of nerdy guys. It's not. It was a bunch of women who used to run conventions and make their own magazines. And these women basically created the founding structure for arguably how fandoms work. They organized the events. They created vast amounts of zines. They even created the first modern day slash fiction between Spock and Kirk. Oh my god. <laughs> Hell yeah. I was really pleasantly surprised when I learned about that in the notes just because exactly like you say, I would not have expected, you would expect it, you know, stereotypically the nerdy guys in the basement mm. by putting it all together. But yeah, I think that is, is fantastic to know. Yeah, you'd always imagine the gatekeepers would keep it in, but it's mm. the organisers that get shit done. So hats off to you, you ladies. Yeah, Thank you. yeah go on the ladies. Do you have any examples of uh, the Spock slash Kirk classical literature? Oh my god, please. Oh, please. <laughs> please. 
Okay, so just let's go on to incognito mode. Uh, cock and... Cock? <laughs> Bock and Kirk. Uh, slash fiction. I'm just saying, you know, there's the hand position known as the Spock. Oh. So I, I don't know yeah. if um, that must come up at some point. You earthlings have the shocker. On Vulcan, we have the Spocker. Is, is that what you're thinking? Something, something along those lines. Oh my god. No. <laughs> There's nothing I could ever validate is like classic literature. There's definitely a lot there. It's a lot very modern stuff, but hell, it's still going strong. As if you didn't come prepared and like you didn't write your own. Well, I thought, am I going to dive into my special folder for this? <laughs> I probably shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm more of a Quark and Wharf guy myself. Oh, I see. <laughs> Ridged for her pleasure. Ah, sorry. I've just found one here. Here we go. Oh, no. The Heart Wants by <laughs> Grey Skies Gay Eyes. <laughs> what what yes! username? Perfect. Summary is the Enterprise is assigned to first contact with the Extrahelians and all goes well until Jim is chosen by an artifact to get his heart's desires fulfilled. Meanwhile, on his own accord, Spock examines his relationship with a captain and finds he wants more. Ooh. I think for the sake of the episode, that's Patreon content. If, you, <laughs> if you'll happily pay for us, I mean, we've already got Joe reading some fanfic about Vore. We'll get you to read this. <laughs> An erotic reading of The Heart Wants starring uh, Spock and Kirk. Oh, that's oh. surprising. Last updated today. Oh, oh my god. Oh. Wow. I love that. This is what makes fandom so good. This shit carries on. <laughs> oh. Anyway, powering through, powering through. I mentioned zines because they are incredibly important and arguably they are the kind of like the precursor to what the internet is for fandoms. Because anyone has ever gotten a zine, it's like a small magazine. It's a self-published magazine. That would involve stuff like... That fan fiction, art, ideas, and just like spreading more information about where to find more of these things. And that's what really helped kind of like bind the community together back in the day. Until the internet. <laughs> Our favourite. So just to clarify, what, what you're saying here is that all the fan fictions today are just descendants of Trekkies. Yes. I mean, technically, I'm sure someone wrote some naughty stuff about Sherlock Holmes. Who knows? And Jesus, who knows? When's it starting? <laughs> who was the first person to write the Jesus slash... What's another biblical figure? Uh, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Jesus slash Holy Ghost. Erotic one of the wise fiction. men. Is that what hearing? <laughs> Ew, one of the wise men. Oh, wait, he was a baby. <laughs> he was a baby. I'm sorry. No. I meant when he was older. Ah, uh, no, here it is. Jesus and Judas. Yeah. Mm. The, the forbidden love. love. He does kiss Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, it's got all the makings of a great fan fiction. Technically more canon than any of the other three shows have combined. <laughs> <laughs> and we're rolling with it. Anyway, so, internet hits, and it went big. Obviously, before then, fandoms were either localised to sort of states or continents, but now you've got the entire globe amassing together in a lovely ball of wonder and joy across places like GeoCities, Live Journal, fanfiction.net, and the all beloved Deviant Art still going. Live Journal was my life back in the day. <laughs> I actually still am on Deviant Art to my own shame. <laughs> but then, da 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 da, Tumblr arrived in 2007. Who remembers Tumblr? Me. I was obsessed with Tumblr. Uh-huh. 
I had like my queue set up to post things when I wasn't online. Great. Oh, damn. <laughs> Dare I ask what the bulk of your content were? Most of my content was Harry Potter, nice. Taylor Swift, nice. and Fallout Boy. Living the millennial dream. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> ben and Ollie, did you ever have a Tumblr at all? God, you know me, I'm awful at social media and I never retook part and still do not to this day, despite being on a podcast. I don't know how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> we like to say we found him on the streets and we just picked him up and took him home. You basically oh, did. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Ollie, at all, were you part of the Tumblers back in the day? Actually, no. I was aware of it. Yeah, for me, my teenagers, it was all MySpace. Oh, yeah. And um, it was much more about the music than anything else. Growing up as a teenager, I was much more music-based. And I obviously, because I grew obsessed, still am, with uh, My Chemical Romance and bands like that. So I definitely would have seen Tumblers, but was never actively part of one. Ditto. But so anyone who knows Tumblr, it's a surprisingly brilliant system for finding more content Mm -hmm. that you like. You know, you've got tags. You can do different types of posts. You can create pictures, images, videos, novels, or like little posts, and you can tab on as make like multi posts. It's great for role playing. It's great for everything under the sun. It's a beautiful blank page, which meant that fan bases and fandoms generally flocked to that to find more of that stuff because there was literally no restriction on what that was. Mm. I would literally like watch a newly aired episode of Supernatural and go to Tumblr to be like, has someone made gifts of this yet? I need them. <laughs> <laughs> so the first mention of Super Who Lot, or at least the first kind of official mention, was 2011 on Tumblr. Now, this could have possibly been sooner than that, but with a big purge of all the spicy content and LGBT plus content, and, you know, with just Tumblr accounts going live and going active, it could have been sooner. But for the sake of argument, we're going to say that Super Hulot kind of started around 2011-ish time. It's like the burning of the Library of Alexandria or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the archives! All that knowledge lost forever. Oh my god, it really is. Like, when Tumblr in 2018 gutted itself for shits and giggles, I knew people whose entire careers just went down the toilet because it was like, here's all my content on this one site. Oh no, it's gone. But it is. It is exactly like that. All the documents are now gone. That's why it's probably hard to actually find names and locations with this thing because either it was destroyed by Tumblr's nasty purge or out of, I assume, shame, people (laughs) are just completely... Wiped out their social media and started again. Like, I never wrote this fanfiction. What do you mean? <laughs> no, who's that username? I've never seen that before. I've never wrote a fiction about Spock and Kirk. That's so out there, edgy. <laughs> um, anyway, it was important that it happened at this time because this is when the shows really kicked off in their prime. Doctor Who was transitioning from Tent over to Smith, so you had a whole backlog catalog of this wonderfully charismatic man, and you now got a taller. Anglia charismatic man coming in and everyone was just gushing over them. Supernatural was currently going at the end of season six. So Dean, Kaz and Sam were kind of forming their little Triforce bromance thing. It was kind of solidified in the story. Kaz wasn't just a side character. He was a main character. It was weird to me though, because that's where I stopped watching Supernatural because that's where it got boring and like not good. Would I be having a horrendous case of name dropping if i mentioned a very quick story about matt smith yes please give it to him so i am a huge fan of this is relevant i promise i feel like i'm on sitcom <laughs> it's relevant, i promise 
I'm a huge fan of the band Arcade Fire, and what they would frequently do was ask people to volunteer for the charity that they support at their gigs. Oh. And this was in Cardiff. Naturally, since there was a time when everything was filmed in Cardiff, and I was stood by the booth, and this tall, lanky gentleman comes towards me, and as what happened frequently during the night, people didn't make donations, they assumed we were stewards, and uh, he asked where the toilet was, <laughs> and he wandered away, and I went, that was Matt Smith. <laughs> oh my days. You told Matt Smith where to shit. <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt, please. <laughs> I mean, how does it feel to know that you were directly involved in Matt Smith going about procedure that quite likely involved him touching himself in sensitive areas? I think there's a lot of people on the internet that would have <laughs> oh died God. to be in that position, to be able to think that about themselves. Can I be brutally honest and say, God, I wish it was David Tennant? Oh, well, I, 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 I can appreciate Smith. that. <laughs> Back to it. So yeah. Doc 2, going through one to another, Supernatural, the Triforce was coming together as Sherlock had just ended its season one and was kind of in this kind of big lull between its next season in production. And everyone was going buck wild over this. So this kind of really picked up a lot of interest in all three shows around the same time Tumblr came in on the scene. And then suddenly something happened. Suddenly someone got a brilliant idea to, again, like, yes, merge some gifts together, some bits of video and bits of audio and suddenly be like, oh, what if we made a trailer? These trailers really sort of kick-started the entire franchise as a kind of like promotional trailer almost for joining this subculture. Then this happens and the fan base goes wild. It goes crazy. You know, people start bringing up like alternative universes, headcanons, role plays, and of course, super slash fiction, as well as kind of crossovers between Marvel, DC in certain elements, and weirdly enough, Dragon Ball Z was a crossover. <laughs> that seems so random. <laughs> it does. The fan base was wild. Anyway, life was good until it wasn't, and it started going horrendously downhill. Please make note that this is the starting point, because we're going to go some places near the end of how far this has <laughs> oh gone. Oh my god, okay. So the starting point that really kicked this all off was the spamming. Because how Tumblr works is if you put a tag on something, then, you know, if you search it, you're bound to find something else. So if you obviously like a picture of David Tennant, you might tag Super Hulock under that, which means that then someone just looking for Doctor Who, or even just David Tennant, is going to suddenly be bombarded with this mixed franchise, mm. to the point where it got so chaotic that you couldn't really separate the lines between either of the three shows, and going down a page or scroll from one thing would automatically lead you into Super Hulock fandom, Super Hulock AU, Super Hulock lore. Which, again, annoyed a lot of people. I refer to this as the Nickelback problem, in which people just hate something so much. Not because, well, it starts off with hating it for a reason, but then suddenly it gets popular, and you don't hate it for a reason besides that someone else likes it too much. Mm -hmm. Did anyone ever really like Nickelback too much? say <laughs> <laughs> That's not something I've been aware of. This is a horrendous admission from Jake here, I think. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> And that apparently kind of goes on for a few months until we get to the next big tipping point that I like to call the Ship Wars. <laughs> Have a wild guess what's coming next, folks. Oh, Lord. I'm sort of a mixture of terrified and moderately intrigued. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of detail nah. because those are gone. I just have remnants of people's harrowing stories of these personal attacks and accusations and everything. But fundamentally, the ship wars kind of happened when people started validating what was the true ship, the best ship. And then it gets a little bit crazy and a little bit scary 
Because then people start arguing with each other about which one is right, canonically which one is right. And it's crazy. Like, I mean, from some of the leftover like screenshots of the things, it's just absolutely mad. Someone says, oh, I like this. And suddenly it's like a hundred people come out of nowhere. And it starts a chain comment section of just destroying that person. And it's just like they've said one thing about what they like. Not an opinion, not anything edgy, just one thing they like. And suddenly it's like, nope, you liking that shit means that you are Hitler, (laughs) you bastard. That is crazy. I don't understand how I missed all of this. Like, I was on Tumblr at this time. I was probably one of those people that was like, I'm not interested. Just like, blocks the hashtag or something. I feel like Sherlock does almost address it in its own way. Because I remember at the beginning of series three, where they constantly tease you with just how he survived. And then there's the one, like, slightly, if you look back at it now, stereotypically fangirlish character, Mm -hmm. who has Sherlock and Moriarty just full-on making out on the roof. (laughs) They got very self-aware. Later on down the history, they get very self-aware and pull stuff like this, and that is when actually people start turning off, because that's almost too Mm self-aware. People don't like being called out on their shit, do they? They do not at all. That's why a lot of Tumblr doesn't exist anymore. But it does bring up a good point around this kind of ship wars thing, because queerbaiting also became a big thing of how shows would have these, you know, David Tennant and John Barrowman. Yes, David Tennant and John Barrowman. (laughs) And obviously it was, here's the token gay guy, and what's going on there? And the Doctor's been like, they never say he's one thing or another, but they always tease it. Mm-hmm. And then Sam and Dean, Dean and Cass. Don't say Sam and Dean. That's incest. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I'm sure there's fan fictions for it. Oh, that absolutely is, surely. That's part of the ship wars. People oh. were like, no, this isn't okay. This is when the kind of like, the villainizing of people came to be. And then people were like, no, this is the right one. It should be okay. And it's like, what? As, as a bit of a sort of a side splinter to that as well, just briefly mentioning Torchwood, if we can... It's not right to, but ignore everything we now know about Joran Barrowman and putting it to one side. Torchwood was basically just Doctor Who if it was horny on main. Yeah, I remember thinking yeah. that when I was watching and going, I don't know what I'm watching here. It's like somebody's just written fan fiction for Doctor yeah. Who and the studios picked it up for some reason. I will never forget there was just this scene which was John Barrowman and James Marston, who was Spike in Buffy, and they were just... It was a mixture of a fight and a really intense making out session in a bar. And that was a real shark jumping moment, I think, where it was just like, oh, for goodness sake, this is silly. I don't know what culturally caused this, but there was a point when there was so much queer representation. And for example, Star Trek, Christ, there are gay characters like every other where. And it's really well, well presented. And a lot of the shows also did that. But suddenly... It became really taboo. And this is what the issue with the whole the queerbaiting theme, because people were like, oh, they're queerbaiting. And then other people were like, no, they're not queerbaiting because they can't put a gay main character on the show or else they might get cancelled. Mm. See, Owl House. It's just weird how we have all these shows that represent a lot of diversity and inclusion, and then suddenly it stops and it becomes really weird. And then as a response, we overcompensate with things. I'd argue even between early 2000 and now, we're only just getting the representation right again. Mm-hmm. But this caused great problems within the super hulock subculture. That was, again, ammo that added between what was right and what wasn't. And we're not even halfway, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm going to sip my wine, and I say we'll stop the bus for a wee moment and take a little piss break. How's that sound? Sounds good. That sounds good.
podcast on Twitter or Instagram. But if that doesn't tickle your pickle, you can find more of Subcultured at Subcultured on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. But if you're looking for a little bit spicier, you can look at Podcrabs at www.podcrabs.com for other thrilling podcast shows. Or if not, you should definitely look at Sitcan. They are very good. Shit, I've got to go. I've got to replace the tires again. And we're back, and all the tyres are perfectly fine. So we're back to the war, the conflict that's going on, and right now, people are starting to segregate themselves into tribes. So the battle of who is what, what ship is the best, has broken factions off, like Hulok or Super Who or Lock Who. Basically, people are no longer part of the bigger franchise, but they've segregated a lot of themselves into groups of my ship is the best, and anyone who says otherwise is scum of the earth. Then suddenly it transcends. It's not just about what I like or what I don't like, but people then start bringing the actors into it. Back in the early 2000s, people joked about very risque things that you would not joke about now. And though some of them have admittedly come and said that was wrong to say, some of them might not have. But regardless, this then became the new form of ammunition. This is what this all seems to be about, more or less. Finding ammunition justify why you're the good guy and the other person is the villain. Benedict Cumberbatch, Misha Collins, Martin Freeman, all said very questionable things within the early 2000 era. It's almost like they're real people and not the idols you've made them out to be in your head. Sorry, guys. (laughs) And this became big ammunition. Fuck what people theorise is the best love interest. You're now then judging the shit based on the actor and what they've said. And whether or not they've gone back on it or whether or not they've never apologised for it, or even if it's completely out of context, that was ammunition. Because you've got to remember, this fanbase is great at snippeting gifts and manipulating things to pick what they want. And they do not fucking forget, apparently. <laughs> no, they do not! <laughs> I can't wrap my head around how it went for people just being like, Ah, oh, we really love these things! Mm. It's the online witch trials, isn't uh, it? Yeah. It is. It just it goes nuts. And then suddenly, the mainstream hits it, and it becomes a bit of a practical joke. You get t-shirts on Redbubble and other providers who do that kind of thing, that sort of even make memes and jokes about the infighting. Then the trolls pick this up, and that's a whole nother kettle of fish we're not going into, because then it gets very nasty. You get people DDoSing, you get people doing raids on people's Tumblr pages, and it just becomes a hot mess. It actually becomes absolutely mental. But then something really, really interesting happens. It dies. People say this happened in the space of a day or a night, or some people are like, oh, across of weeks. But suddenly, everyone just stopped contributing to the Super Hulot content. And it wasn't like the shows had just stopped making stuff. They were still making stuff. It just died out. It died out so quickly. As it, fast as it came, it just went. I mean, I wonder if it's like the community got so fractured. It got to a point when no one was backing anyone else up anymore. It's just like the fall of Rome to sticking another classical comparison. 
people theorise that, that it changed because all the shows changed in a particular way. So Supernatural became so meta in itself, and they, and they understood people like it for the actors, and not necessarily the story. So yeah, like, when Kaz and Dean and Sam became more of a thing, and more about them, it wasn't the same kind of show. And the same thing happened with Sherlock. When Sherlock hit season two, it was such a long wait, and it was kind of such a different show. And just like the fanboys and fangirls theorising Sherlock's death, it was so on the nose, people were just like, eh. Oh god, is that what we look like? Yeah, and with Doctor Who as well, Capaldi came in, and this kind of also bolsters to the whole, like, you're just doing it for the thirst. No one picked it up. But I think as well, people didn't, uh, especially the bigger US audiences, they didn't understand that Doctor Who is a show that constantly keeps changing. Mm. So you have these three shows in a perfect, bizarre chemistry. But now that each of them starts kind of weaning away a little bit from what they originally were, it just dies, goes in one. It sounds like as well that everyone had sort of stopped creating content and just started arguing with one another Mm. and fighting. Mm. So then when they realised they didn't know what the hell they were fighting about, there was no content being created anyway. So true. Like Shipper's Guide to the Galaxy, where I picked up a fair bit of this, it goes over a very keen point that no one ever stops being a fan of something, but a fan base only survives because of the content that's being Mm. made. And then, yeah, people stopped making content and the fandom died. People moved elsewhere. Do you know, I think a lot of them went to the One Direction fandom. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest, that's where I ended up. (laughs) (laughs) That was also a very toxic fandom. Oh, God. (laughs) If you did not ship Larry, which is Louis and Harry, their shippers were called Larry's. And they would get very angry at anyone that didn't ship Larry. Oh, my <laughs> it's like Twilight all over again. Oh, my God. This thing is like, did this super hulock subculture become the breeding ground for this type mm. of attitude? Or was this just kind of like a development on into its worst state? I suppose it's kind of an interesting question, actually, just because usually, I think for the longest time, arguments... And things would solely stem from, with regards to fan bases and things, what was better rather than trying to merge anything together. Like, there's the age-old thing, which I've never understood, of Star Wars and Star Trek. They're two very different things. Mm. And yet, lots of squabbling over that. And then, I suppose, when we were growing up, a big thing was, you know, your Harry Potter or your Lord of the Rings. I was very much... Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Very much on the fence there. I love them both. But it's almost like now I find it really interesting that it tends to be like it's all insular. Like a close friend of ours, she's a huge BTS fan. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like it's all about I'm the bigger fan than you and I did this. And it's all Mm. this gatekeeping that's just crept into everything. And it's terrible. And especially when you consider nerd culture, it's now much more acceptable is not the word but it's much more publicly recognized and i just find it really sad that everything just dissolves into infighting around something that once united people together i think as well you gotta remember because it is kind of our generation group that was probably the biggest bulk of this but it was predominantly people really jumping into the internet for the first time young excitable and suddenly finding that you've got this massive global community of people who agree with you getting all equally as excited as you are i think with anything big you'll always find toxicity but i think tumblr is such an important part of this it's a black hole where everything kind of sinks into the middle and i think that's what made it so infamous 
it went on longer than I thought as well. Like in my mind, it's maybe two or three years. Seven years is quite a long time for that, for it to then just disappear. That's longer than certain presidencies. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think as well, maybe one reason why we haven't really had anything, I would say, like this since is almost because we are living in a golden age if we're just going to focus specifically on television. But I would say arguably the last show that pretty much everyone watched was Game of Thrones. Mm. Now, it feels like every week there's something new that everyone's obsessing over. Like at the minute, it's the Squid Game, there's Midnight Mass, there's you. There's just all of these things just like boom, boom, boom. And it's like, have you seen this? No, I haven't watched that yet because it's only just come out. You make a really good Mm. point because it's like back in the day, the finale of Lost, everyone Mm. like stayed up until 6am to watch it. And like (laughs) all these big shows that everyone would watch all at the same time. And I don't think we've really got that like one big thing anymore. No, there's lots lots of of things. Lots of little things. Gogglebox is the only reason I know what's trends. (laughs) (laughs) I have a proposal to cap off the episode. Ooh. The next big super Hulock fandom, I'm going to call the SFF, Seinfeld Frasier Friends. <laughs> God, that sounds pretty awful. Oh, <laughs> oh, but think of a fan fiction, though. Oh, Frasier with Joey. <laughs> Froey. Miles with that bald guy from Seinfeld. I don't know anything about Seinfeld. I'm so sorry if you're a fan. Kramer and Phoebe would be a pretty Kramer, oh. obvious match, I think. I know enough to know I'd enjoy it. <laughs> Let's call that there, because we are running <laughs> late on the clock. Big thank you again for Emmy and Ollie. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. I'm looking forward to being on your show, slash have been happy to been on your show, <laughs> because I don't know which... They're going out at the same time. What is time? <laughs> what is time? Yes, we'll have a link in the description for anyone who wants to listen to Sitcans. I would wholeheartedly recommend it. It is an incredible show. They're all great people, as you have just listened to. Thank you again, Ben, for as well keeping me sane. I try my best. Not burning up through wine. It's, it's a difficult job. Do you, though? Do you, Ben? No, not really, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. We have been the Subcultured Board of Tourism and we apologise for this message. Thought you'd seen the last of me? Not bloody likely, you swines. You can find more from the ragtag bunch of hooligans by searching Subcultured Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Subcultured on your podcast platform of choice. Subcultured is part of the Podcrabs Network at www.podcrabs.com. It is well good. Because I watched a film that I thought was going to be a horror film called The Lighthouse. And I don't know if anyone else here has seen that. Yes. I absolutely love The Lighthouse, so I'm yes. very scared about where this is going. <laughs> I didn't expect by the end of that film to know what Edward Cullen's masturbation face would look like. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs>